What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Pure Evil. I'm man. I'm your host, as always, Evil Eddie. We got a long, long show for everybody here today. Full of MMA news. There's a lot to run down. Let me cool off a little bit. I mean, it was a little cool here on the East Coast today, but right now I think it's like 85 degrees or something like that. But there's a lot to run down. If you guys caught up on the latest Pure Evil MMA, we spoke with Dustin Poirier's coach, strength and conditioning coach, over at American Top Team, Coach Phil DeRue, who gave us a basic rundown on what he's been preparing Dustin the Diamond on his upcoming fight with Habib Nurmagomedov. Now, this is going to be a great fight. Everyone's looking forward to it. There's a lot to run down. This card is actually great. It's going down a little bit early, but, you know, it's been a minute. It's been a minute since uh, I checked in with you guys here. And today, there was some breaking news from ESPN. EJ Penn, obviously supposed to fight Nick Lent in a fight that everyone or no one was waiting for. But you know what? They have some history. If there was any fight that BJ Penn was supposed to fight in his last fight, well, allegedly, allegedly, and let's put that in quotations, his last fight, it was supposed to be against Nick Lent. Obviously, there was a little bit of a story there, a lot more than what he had with his last couple of opponents, which... He did not win, even with Dennis Seaver. Remember when he was supposed to return into the UFC, Dennis Seaver was his opponent. And then he got switched up with another opponent, Yair Rodriguez. Yair, I believe it was Yair Rodriguez, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it just went to hell with him. This is a guy and his last couple of fights. When people talk about legacy, when people talk about legacy, BJ Penn is putting on an example of what you don't want for a fight what you don't want to end your career on somebody who was an absolute legend if you look back at bj penn's career there's the cp dance for everybody tuning in on the uh, video cast but everybody that is in this career they're in it to make a legacy for themselves you look at somebody like gsp which there's been rumors that gsp wants to come down to 155 pounds Khabib calls him out so we're going to talk about that on today's show. There's a lot to run down. The BJ Penn bar fight, the McGregor bar fight. I mean, jeez. I mean, th th this is out of control. And I've talked about this a lot on this show about CTE and fighters. And just this year in the headlines that have been coming out, we just had Melvin Gallard on. And I spoke with Melvin like, you know, Melvin, when you go out to a bar, you're a target. You're a target. People look at you like, oh, you're you you were a UFC fighter, you're this big bar, uh, big star, you fought people like Nate Diaz. So I'm I'm gonna show up for my boys to show them that I'm the fucking man and I, I can run through you and I'm gonna get all the girls and this and that. And we talk me and Melvin talked and he said, you know, this happens an awful lot and when I go to bars, obviously I feel like a target. I, I've asked a lot of fighters before in the past, maybe not at the highest level that Melvin was at. But it's got to be a thing when you're a star like that and you go out. It's got to be difficult to pick and choose your battles. But with BJ Penn going down to Hawaii, living in Hawaii, he's a legend down there. BJ Penn is an absolute legend when he when he, when he's home in Hawaii. And apparently, this guy. Let's just start here, just in case, guys. Subscribe down below if you are a new listener here on Pure Evil and May. I appreciate it. Give me a. Thumbs up if you are new here on YouTube Periscope, which we are streaming live on Periscope right now. And also iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify if you're tuning in. We got a new mic. Well, it's the old mic. Let me see if this is a little bit better. It's actually the old mic that we're using right now, but 
a lot better than the uh, the blue snowball that you guys can see right here behind us. This is a $200 microphone and thanks to you guys for buying merchandise I was able to fix it because it got screwed up and I don't want you guys going to the gym, going to work or listen to a show that just doesn't sound deep, the quality isn't good, it's not condensed. I don't like that. I don't listen to shows like that so I don't expect you guys to so I had to get that. Everybody tuning in our listeners that have bought merch and if you guys do want to buy birch, you can buy it at pureevilmma.com. You guys, just so you know, every single dollar goes in to improving what we have here on this platform at Pure Evil MMA. And it goes into paying everybody that's writing for pureevilmma.com. So let's move forward, guys. UFC 242 coming up this weekend. Habib versus Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Let's start right here with BJ Penn in this bar fight. And then we'll get into a little bit of the Conor McGregor news because Conor McGregor kind of won me over with what he had to say to Ariel on ESPN. I know you guys might jump down my throat right there. Some of you guys may tune off right there. But let me share how I felt about this entire situation because, you know what, before we even talk about BJ, let me start with the Conor McGregor news because I feel like a lot more of our listeners, if you're new to the MMA scene, and you don't know much about BJ Penn, I understand. UFC made a real big impact in the last, I, I want to say the last five years. We've gained maybe twice as much followers on Twitter that have been engaging with uh, hashtag MMA Twitter. And if you are new to the scene, use hashtag MMA Twitter to interact and engage, especially on fight night. This past fight night, I was surprised to see how many people were awake for the fights in China, Jessica Andrade, which we'll be getting into in just a little bit, which was another, that was absolutely crazy. I couldn't even believe what we witnessed with Jessica Andrade going in there in China. Jessica Andrade traveling over to China. She wants a main event, but do you want a main event in China? Do you want a main event against the girl that is a little bit bigger? Now, mind you, I know I'm a little all over the place right now, but mind you here, I reached out to Tatiana Suarez. I don't know if I can reach my messages on my Instagram, but let me run to my Instagram here on my phone. Let me see. Let me pull you guys into a different screen here. If you guys are listening to the uh, the podcast and you don't have the visual effects, I'm sorry, but give me one second to run through this really quick on my phone. Let me get you guys correct with the visuals on the... Uh, on the video cast because I reached out to Tatiana Suarez because honestly I thought Tatiana would be one of the next fighters to be up and coming for that belt against Jessica Andrade which I was a little shocked nope wrong gif hold on let me scroll down to the Andrade gift get rid of the display capture all right let me go to my messages here so I messaged Jessica on oh my goodness you guys got me all messed up Tatiana Suarez so I, this is the exact message to her on Friday. I said, hey champ, how you think Zhang will do tonight slash tomorrow? Is it weird for you to see her get a title shot before you even, before you or even Nina? As in Nina Ansaroff, the champ's girlfriend, as in the champ, Amanda Nunes. I mean, she's a great fighter and looked great against Tisha. Which, honestly, guys, I think, and I hope you will agree with me here. I thought Tisha Torres won that fight, but 
you be the judge of that. The judges scored differently, and we don't know how the judges could be. So I said, but a lot of us were surprised to see a girl who's only been on prelims get a title shot so quickly. So Tatiana, she said, now I'm going to show this to you. I'm not making this up. Tatiana Suarez, I believe she's the number one contender in this division. She said, supposedly, nobody would fight her, and that's why. I don't know how she will do. I've only seen her fight once. And I'm guessing when she says once, it was probably against Tatiana. Now, let me show you this, and I hope she's okay with me showing you guys this message here. And let me pull it into the actual, the bigger photo here for you guys. Which, let me switch this photo out. Jesus. It's hard to do this all by myself, guys. That's why I need a producer. All right, so this is what Tatiana said. You can read it for yourself. She said that nobody else wanted to take this fight. And I understand that because I had people reach out to me that have been hardcore followers of this podcast saying this was fixed. Now, as soon as I said that to you guys, you're probably in your car at the gym or at the beach right now going, bro, you didn't believe that, did you? No, I didn't. I did not believe that for a second. But here's the thing. In the back of all of our minds, we knew because of past podcasts from Joe Rogan or things that have been said or even legal disputes, which I'll leave everyone's name out of. If you're a hardcore MMA fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Over there, across the pond, in that section, it's a little sketchy. Not a little, it's real sketchy. Now, this is why... I wasn't surprised when Tatiana said no one wanted to take that fight. You have the UFC going over there for the first time, mind you. For the new listeners out there, for the new fans. This is the first time the UFC has gone out there. And mind you, this week, they're going to Abu Dhabi. Which is just, it's just so weird. And those fights are being a little bit earlier, but they're not at 2 in the morning. Main event, or a main card starting at 6 in the morning here on the East Coast. Mind you, 3 a.m. On the, on the West Coast. Maybe a little bit easier for them to... Or no, six, seven. Yeah, I'm getting all screwed up over here. These are wacky times. In a year that we don't have any superstars and I might be the only podcast or media member out there that's been saying, I've been enjoying a lot of the matchmaking this year, a lot of the cards, just because there haven't been many superstars. We have had John Jones. We have had Steve Avers DC. But Steve Avers DC, those aren't our superstars. Our superstars were Conor McGregor, and Ronda Rousey for three years nonstop. Those were the big names. Probably the biggest reason why ESPN signed the UFC in a couple billion dollar contract. Well, WMEING, excuse me, but ESPN getting that uh, getting that contract with the UFC, that was a big move forward. I haven't been too happy with where we have gone so far with ESPN. When we signed to ESPN, I really thought that we were going to get more cards on ESPN. Not on ESPN+. Plus. There are only four, three, four cards. I believe four cards that are actually going to be on big ESPN. So with this whole streaming platform, oh, the new age of streaming, that's the newest thing. That's what everybody wants. Uh, is it what everybody wants? Or is it more difficult? You look over at Bellator. A lot of people don't even know where to watch Bellator, where to tune in. You have the zone. Yeah, you have the zone. You have Bellator.com. Now I got into a little little fight 
with somebody on Twitter, and I'm not gonna break my back going to look for it right now, but I got into a little fight with somebody on Twitter about this, saying, you know, the Bellator prelims were a lot better than the Bellator main card. And everybody has their opinion, and that's what makes the sport fun. That's what makes every sport fun. Everybody has an opinion, everybody has a team or a fighter that they like, and that's what gets us to engage, to escape from the realities that bring us down in our day-to-day uh, spiral of bowing down to the man. This is what we use to get away. This is what makes us feel powerful. And then we log on to Twitter or our, our preferred social media. And we talk about what we think is going to happen. But some people go on there and they fight to the death. They literally fight to the death. And we, we, we've dubbed some of these guys trolls. There's a lot of I say there's probably about 60% of MMA fans are trolls. And what I mean by trolls are people that just are just childish with what they say and just they just love fighting. It makes them feel alive. Now, when I started this podcast, I let everybody know. And I feel like everybody should live by this. If you're on social media, you should understand that everybody has a right to their own opinion. Nobody is wrong. But when you disrespect a fighter or you just talk shit or you can't come up with a real argument besides talking about the person's profile picture or bringing somebody down for personal like that doesn't make any sense to me and we see that a lot on social media not just in mixed martial arts but in every sport and not just now but for for years behind us going back to 1961 Roger Maris uh, trying to break Babe Ruth's record we saw so many people just being furious, dying by the sword. Now, where was, where was I going? Okay, so somebody said this fight was fixed. This fight, how do you think this fight was? You think Jessica Andrade was going to go in there and eat all the shots? If you actually watched the fights and saw the shots that she took, how could you think that that was faked? Nobody would take that kind of damage. Maybe she clipped her one time. Maybe she was like, all right, I'll take $100,000. Because it's happened before in the past. There has been legal documents filed, brought to court, and people kicked out of the UFC for these things. I will not bring up their names. But it's happened before many times. Maybe not even in the UFC, but in other organizations. Well, we've seen it in the UFC. But my point being... When this fight was matched up, it wouldn't be a surprise if somebody tried to pull something or make an offer. Jessica Andrade, get in that. Why would you want to trade being the UFC champion? You have so many more benefits. Somebody going to offer you $2 million to do this or, or whatever. Jessica Andrade may look at that, but the, what makes me know for a fact this was not a fight that was forced to make Jessica Andrade lose was the damage that she took. It wasn't just one shot where she dropped. It wasn't her tapping out to pain. She got blasted. She got lit up by Zhang. And if you look at the culture over in China, which was kind of funny, somebody brought this up on Twitter where it was like, if you listen to Zhang's post-fight speech, she's like, my name is, is Zhang and you, you remember my name. I want to thank my sisters, my brothers. And everyone was like, your sisters? Isn't that illegal over in China? 
How crazy is that? How big is that for people over in China to have a female champion, somebody that they can look to? These these girls in China, they see a girl at her stature. This is the Ronda Rousey. Don't jump down my throat yet. This is the Ronda Rousey of China. These girls in China are living in a way that we couldn't even picture living, in a, in a way that a lot of people don't even understand is going on right now in this world. Do you know that right now, on this planet, there is more slavery than there was 100 years ago? Now, I, I don't know if that's 100% fact, but I've heard that many a time. I was even taught that in high school and in college, which I feel like a lot of people don't know. And in China, this is huge, especially for the UFC market. Now, that's another reason why a lot of people thought this fight was going to be fake. But if you're Jessica Andrade and her team, why would you take that? Why would you take a bid to fall in this fight and take that much damn? It's just bullshit. Get that out of my face. Miss me with that bullshit. Get that out of my face. If Jessica Andrade could go back and she did do an interview and she said in the interview that let's do a rematch. I'll give you a real fight. And when she said that, there was a lot of people, including myself, that was a little confused. Being like, what do you mean a real fight? And I think what she meant by that is she was just caught off guard. Now, she probably jumped the gun because this was one of the first times that she was going to get a main event where she can she can showcase as a UFC champion. But her UFC reign as a champion only lasted 42 seconds. That's embarrassing. And you look at what she did, and this is my opinion. You look at what she did in the fight against Rose Namunez. I think that move should be illegal. I don't agree with that move that she pulled off against Rose. She slammed her right on her neck. And if you guys are watching the video cast right now, you're seeing a lot of uh, what Jessica Andrade has done in her previous fights. And right there, you're seeing her slam Rose Namunez on her head. I would love to see Rose get this fight with Zhang. I would even love to see Joanna Young Jacek versus Zhang. I would love to see Tatiana Suarez versus Zhang. People on hashtag MMA Twitter have been saying, I don't think anyone has the skills to beat Zhang. I'm going to push you out of the way there. I'm, I'm pushing you out of the way there because Tisha Torres put up one hell of a fight against Zhang. And that was a top level opponent for Zhang. And what she had here with Jessica Andrade, I feel like Jessica Andrade rushed herself a little bit too much, was a little too excited. And I'm not going to say she get caught because that's just too easy to say. But you know damn well she regrets the way that she approached this fight. That she was going in there and she just wanted to brawl. She's not a brawler. Look at the way that Joanna Young Zizek pieced Jessica Andraja. Let me know what you guys think about this fight. Should they run it back? What did you think about Zing's performance? If you saw it. And it was only a 42 seconds uh, fight. So I'm sure you saw it on, uh, on Instagram at least. But uh, 42 second fight. The entire, I was supposed to have my boys over to watch this fight. And I just didn't even want to. That was the only fight on the card that I was really excited for. There were a couple of good fights there. But not one worth having the boys over and partying for. This upcoming weekend though. We got some fights, boys. We got some great fights going down this weekend with Habib versus Dustin the Diamond. But before we get into that, before we get into that, guys, we got to talk a little bit about Conor McGregor. And I kind of jumped over this 
a second ago. And we got to talk about BJ Penn, which I jumped over a second ago. Let me talk about Conor McGregor versus the old man at the pub. First off, props to the old man. Props to the old man for taking Conor's left hand at the pub. Sitting there, still drinking. Now, if you guys did not see, which I'd be surprised, you're probably living under, under a rock. Or you may be next to your best friend who's watching this podcast, listening to this podcast. And you have no idea what the hell happened. Conor McGregor went into the pub. He's got a whiskey brand called Proper 12, making a killing. He's probably made more money off that than he has in his entire UFC career. Mind you, I did not mention the Mayweather fight. Now, to kind of jump off of that, we also had Paige Van Zandt say she makes more off of Instagram than she does on her UFC contract, which I find crazy. I think that's disgusting in a way. I really think that it's a disgusting thing for her to be able to admit and nobody out there be like, all right, we got to get rid of Reebok. We got to at least tell Reebok they need to put two sponsors on her fighter shorts so they can look at Brendan Schaub. And a lot of you guys out there may not like Brendan Schaub or his podcast or what he stands for or anything like that. But he had an amazing point when he said, I lost out on $100,000 every fight I had once Reebok came through. $100,000, that's a lot. That's a, Everyone listening, including me, can't imagine not just making a paycheck, but making a paycheck with a $100,000 bonus just from having a fucking sticker on your pants. Now, guys, I'm sorry because I know there's a lot of people out there that don't want me to swear on this podcast, but that pisses me off. This Reebok deal pisses me off. Now, Conor McGregor was lucky. He was able to do what he has done in the UFC. He was able to get the Mayweather fight, but now he has this brand of whiskey. He's made it. He doesn't need to fight anymore. He really doesn't. Think about all the fighters, even the, the number one, even the champions don't get this opportunity. Conor McGregor should be written off. There is no going back for Conor McGregor. When you walk into a bar and punch an old man, old man was 50 years old, mind you, which is my father's age and my mother's age. I'm 30 years old. I would never punch my father. I would never walk into a bar and fight a 50-year-old man, even if he was talking shit. Even if he was talking shit to my mother, i say, you are making the biggest mistake, and your friends around you better grab you and better pull you away because it's not worth it. It's not worth it for me, and it's not worth it for you to receive the damage that I want to inflict on you. Where Conor McGregor is at right now in his career, he should know better. Conor McGregor is not where he was five years ago. Conor McGregor wasn't even where he was three years ago. He has children. Now, when I was growing up, I had my idols. Everyone has had their idols when they were growing up as a kid. Everyone had their idols. My idol was Derek Jeter. I could never imagine... Derek Jeter walking to if I saw this as a kid and Derek Jeter was my idol and I saw him do this I would feel crushed I would feel embarrassed I would feel ashamed of ever wearing his jersey again 
And one of the most inspiring things that made me a huge fan of Derek Jeter was reading his biography when I was a kid. And in his biography, there was a chapter that I read when he was a child and he walked into his parents' bedroom some wee hours in the morning, like 11, 12, 1 in the morning, probably not even that late. I forgot what time it was, but it was late. A, a time where you wouldn't be up as a child. He walked into his parents' bedroom. He had his baseball glove on and a Yankee hat on. And his parents were like, "What, Derek, what are you doing up? And Derek looked at his parents and said, one day I'm going to be a shortstop for the New York. I think he said second base. One day I'm going to be a second base for the New York Yankees. And instead of his parents saying, yeah, 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 go to bed, they inspired him. And the reason why that hit me so hard was because when I was a child, I was on all of the baseball all-star teams. And I don't know where you're listening to this from, but here in America, here in Connecticut, if you did well on your season in the Little League, they would pick two people from each team, maybe even one. And they would make a bunch of, they would, I think would make four all-star teams. And then they would wire it down. They'd have those four all-star teams uh, play against each other. And then whoever did the best out of that, they would make one team out of. Now, each team from each town would go around the state. And you would have pretty much a little World Series for your town. So if your town made it to the finals, you got this big trophy. It was a big deal. Especially when you're a kid and you get picked from your little league. It was a big deal. I was so inspired by Derek Jeter. I remember when I was, even, even before that, when I was a kid, my grandparents telling me stories about Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. And you guys can tell if you're watching this podcast right now. We're not in the studio, but down in the studio, which is being rebuilt, completely remodeled right now, I have pictures of Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle from 1961. And 1961 was the year Roger Maris beat the home run record of, of Babe Ruth. And in that season, it was so interesting. And there was a documentary done by HBO that brought you into the actual... This is why I idled Mickey Mantle and Roger, mostly Roger Maris more than Mickey, Mickey Mantle. I mean, he was a ladies man and he did what he did on the field. But Roger Maris, if you look at what he went through during that season of 1961 and all the people that would throw things at him, throw chairs, tell him, uh, threaten his family when his wife was pregnant, had a little newborn and what he was able to do and still beat the record. I mean, him and Mickey Mantle were chasing that home run record and Mickey Mantle I think he uh, sprained his ankle or, or something like that. He, he got pulled out of the home run battle to beat 60 home runs from Babe Ruth. And he went through a lot of stress. And I believe the season before that, he had a really hard time. And I remember before I watched that documentary, hearing these stories from my grandparents and them watching it. I mean, I'm Italian. My family is from, well, my family's from Italy. I'm the second generation here in America. But hearing that, from them being children and looking up to him, sharing that with me. And then I found Derek Jeter and what he was able to do and watching what he was able to, uh, how he was able to win the World Series with that back throw. And if you were alive in that era, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The moral of the story is, if Derek Jeter did that, I don't know how I would be able to look at him. And the most inspiring thing about Conor McGregor when he was coming up before that Josie Aldo fight was where he came from, how he was able to stand by 
D, the girl that was with him when he was on uh, state, when he was on welfare, when he was plumbing, when he had nothing. And then all these allegations come out of Conor McGregor cheating on his wife, apparently, allegedly having a baby with another woman. Now that was kept under wraps and people were like, oh, well, she's just trying to get money. The girl said, I don't want money. I'm fine. And if you look at the pictures of her strolling the baby around and pictures of her back on her Instagram and social media pages, she has a lot of designer clothes. She was set before the Conor McGregor thing. She didn't want money. She wanted her child to know who her father was. That was the first sign that really pulled me away from Conor McGregor and, and supporting him. And people wouldn't talk about this because it was alleged until it actually came out. Then you had, before that, the bus incident, which the UFC used in their embedded. Any other fighter would have been kicked out of the UFC. Any fighter, you name it, any fighter would have been kicked out of the UFC. Not Conor McGregor. They threw it in the embedded. They use it to beef the fight up. Matter of fact, they still use it to this day to beef up this upcoming pay-per-view that we are going to pay for this weekend. The narrative wasn't Habib and, and Dustin. The narrative was Habib doing what he did to Conor and Dustin having done what Conor did to him and where they can go forward here. How much this would mean to Dustin if he beat Habib because of what Connor did. We shouldn't be talking about Connor. Now, Connor came on to ESPN with Ariel. Ariel had some great questions for him. He did not allow Connor to brush this off. He said, well, what do you have to say to the people out there that are, that are saying this was a 50-year-old man? What do you have to say to the, the kids out there that look up? He had a lot of great questions. I don't know them word for word. He had a lot of great questions. And I'm not going to lie. I was one of the people that were like, wow. I was listening to what Connor had to say. And it seemed like he was honest. It seemed like he won a lot of people over. He almost won me over until, until I sat there and went, you know what? If I had a girlfriend and my girlfriend went to a bar. And I knew, and I saw it on video, that she kissed another guy. And she came to me and said, you know what? I made a mistake. I should have known this. I should have known that. I have so much going on. You were amazing. I shouldn't have known that. I would, I would never do that. I made a mistake. I tried to make amends. I'm trying to make amends now. doesn't matter. You did something that I will never be able to forgive. And with that being said, I can't look at you the same and I never will be able to look at you the same. And I feel like a lot of people, it was so easy for them to forgive Conor McGregor. But as an Italian, I'll, I'll never forget this. My grandfather was a deacon at the church. And when I was a child, I got caught for stealing something from Walgreens. I got caught for stealing a goosebump post-it card. Like it was, it was a, it was a, like if you want to send a letter to your pen pal across a couple states or a couple towns over, you wrote on the back. Like when you want a vacation, you want to send something home to the family. It was a bunch of postage cards. And on the front of it was all the uh, covers of the Goosebump books. I stole that. I needed it. And I put it in my pants. And then I stole this like squishy ball and I put it in there. But you could see it. It was like I had a big goiter 
like a big tumor on my stomach. I'll never forget this. I walked up to get my mom because my mom was checking out at the pharmacy and the guy behind the counter was this Chinese guy and he looked at me and he looked at my mom and started pointing at me. He started pointing at my stomach and I tell you guys, my <laughs> my skin flushed. All the blood flushed out of my face. My heart sank. Like I watched somebody get shot in the head. I got called out and he was like, his stomach, his stomach. And I lifted my shirt up and there it was, that little squishy ball. Like, it was like, it was weird. It was like this little thing that you can squish. There was like a little brain inside with like water around it, but it felt good. It was like pleasuring. And then my little goosebumps thing. And I got caught for it and I went, my, I'll never forget that. Where was I going with this? I, I got called out for that. Oh, and my grandfather, this is where I was going. My grandfather said, you know, you, you can tell me that you're never going to steal again. You can tell me that you're sorry. But those are just words. Show me. What has Conor McGregor done to show us that he's a changed man? Nothing yet. I mean, it's still too soon. But we'll see. But until he shows us, I still will not forgive him. Because those words, that interview, doesn't hold up to much. Those are just words. And anyone can say anything to anybody. And make them a believer. Look, look at all these cults out there. Look, just look at the cults. Conor McGregor pretty much has a cult. He has a cult. But the way this cult started was making people believe that they were just like him. He was them. He came from nothing. He did it. He didn't turn his back on his girl. He looked down and he, he worked towards where he got. He worked hard. And he believed in himself. And that made so many people believe in themselves and wanted to see this man succeed. However, he fell off the deep end like many do when they become famous, when they get money. And it's not just this one incident, it's many incidents. So with that being said with Conor McGregor, let me know what you guys think on social media. Tweet me at evil under dash echo. That's E-V-I-L underscore E-C-C-L. Also on my Instagram at pure evil MMA underscore. Moving forward, let's talk about BJ Penn. Now, I think it's really important because today the news was broke. The news was broke about BJ Penn. BJ Penn has officially been canceled. Cancel culture, right? Well, Last week, just to catch everybody up, BJ Penn, it was all over TMZ. There was one video released first and then another one. In the first video, we saw BJ Penn get knocked out by this guy outside of a bar. Now, BJ Penn was letting him hit him, and he dropped to the floor hard. Now, in that moment, every MMA fan, every media member, every fighter went, oh, damn, he has an upcoming fight, and he just got knocked out. And we just saw it. This isn't a rumor. This isn't like O'Connor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather's getting ready for his fight against Connor and there's rumors going around that he got he got dropped. No, we saw this. We saw this one. And it was on TMZ, seen by people who don't even watch the sport. He had an upcoming fight against Nick Lentz. This is not the first time that BJ Penn has done this. BJ Penn has gotten into fights at bars in the last couple of weeks. This uh, The second fight in the past month, in the past four weeks. Now, Dana White broke out on ESPN and said, he's done. 
BJ Penn is done. He is not going to be fighting Nick Lentz. This is not going to be rescheduled because he had a concussion. He's done. We do not want to see him fight anymore. Now, we all know this isn't going to stop BJ Penn. Because the thing with BJ is, oh, well, he needs this to make his life normal. What? He needs this to make... So when do you say... When do you call it quits? This is addict behavior. And if you guys don't know what I mean by that, an addict will push yard after yard after yard until you tell them no. If you keep giving an addict $10 a day, $10 a month, they're going to keep asking and asking and asking until you say no. There was this amazing book that was wrote when I was a kid and it was a great lesson for me. It was called, When You Give a Mouse a Cookie. And I feel like that is what they're doing with BJ Penn. When you give a mouse a cookie, he'll ask for a glass of milk. You're going to keep giving BJ what he wants because, oh, you got you pull the sympathy card. Oh, well, he needs this. Well, he's not winning fights and he doesn't look good. He just got submitted. BJ's never been submitted. Yeah, I was against a guy who's a submission specialist and it's phenomenal. But you look at his last couple of fights, this guy hasn't won in years. Now, where is my phone? Let me grab my phone because one of my boys messaged me. It's right below me. Hold on. One of my boys, Matthew Mazuko, who actually started the Pure Evil MMA podcast. Well, I think it was called Pure Evil MMA podcast at the beginning. But uh, the first couple times I started doing this podcast, which had no name at the beginning, I did it with this kid named Matthew Mazuko. And he's from a couple towns over, knew my ex-girlfriend. I made this announcement on my Facebook page. And Matthew said, let me pull this up, because this was a great point, And it was actually very sad to read. He said, Eddie, let me share the record. 16-7-1 sounded much better than his current 16-14-2. Now, you're a lot of these fighters and fans and coaches talk about legacy. Like GSP, for instance. Should GSP stop now? He won the fight against Bisbank. Should he stop now? You look, you, this, this goes on for, there's a lot of fighters out there. Even Chuck Liddell in his last fight with Tito. Even Tito. Even Chel Sonnen. Even Anderson Silva. There's a lot of fighters we can name. Uh, Vanderlei. <laughs> there's a lot of fighters. Uh, even Bigfoot going up against Gabriel Gonzaga, BKFC coming up, which... There's the announcement, which I was going to announce at some point in this podcast. But listen to that. 16-7-1 sounded much better than his current 16-14-2. And, and I responded, sad to look at that. Because it is. It really is. BJ could have ended it on top. But that's another situation which I've talked to a lot of fighters about, and especially with my co-host, James McSweeney, for Gloves Off. And shout out to James, because he has the number one movie right now in Malaysia, the Sankar movie, which beat out Angry Birds 2, got in uh, over 10 million views. 10 million tickets sold in Malaysia with Zul Afrin, which is the number one action movie actor, basically the equivalent here in America to Jason Statham. And James McSweeney was on season 10 of Ultimate Fighter with Kimbo, with Roy Nelson, with Matt Mitrione, with Brendan Schaub, with Big Baby, with Titties, with Rampage, and Rashad Evans. The number one season of the Ultimate Fighter to ever be on air. And we've spoken about this a lot. When fighters should hang it up. 
And in BJ's situation, you can't be going out there getting ready for a fight, which is supposedly your last fight, which was a fight that we were all really excited to see against Nick Lentz. Well, not like real excited, but there was some interest building for that because there was a story behind it. Very intriguing story. Another story that you just throw in the prelims. I would have loved to see this, not on a main event, but on somewhere on the main card. Maybe the first fight of the main card. Because BJ has been on the prelims, which is another thing which you got to look at and be like, damn. BJ Penn on the prelims. Damn. You don't go out to bars, first off, and start drinking. And I don't know if he was drinking, but you don't go out to bars and get into fights. He got into one fight. Now he got into a second fight. And you know, it's almost 2020, everyone has a phone. And if everyone around you doesn't have a phone, there's cameras somewhere around you. So BJ, I hope that felt good to get that, get that win. I mean, you did get knocked out, but the second video that TMZ threw up was BJ on top of him. Throwing these, like, throwing these clips from the side. Not just straight on the back of the guy's head, but from the side. Like, he did, <laughs> the guys from MMA Rosa were cracking me up. I was listening to them, and they are like, you can tell how much MMA has had an effect on BJ Penn. Because he didn't want to get disqualified from that fight. Instead of punching in the back of the head, he was going through from the side. Shout out to my boy, Adam Hunter. And uh, <laughs> everyone over at MMA Rosa, make sure to give them a follow. They do a great job for everybody out there that listens to these podcasts. But... Yeah, it, it, it's just sad to see BJ where he is at. And now he's made such a big mistake. You know damn well he regrets it. And it's going to be scary to see what happens next. I do not think just because he's going to be left from the UFC that this is it for BJ. I think that he's going to try to get to Bellator. He's going to try to get to one. He's going to try to go to BKFC. He's going to try to do something. But I'll tell you what. What I wish these fighters could do, and they're probably not doing it because there's probably not much money in it. I love this submission underground. When they had submission underground going on, it was building all this hype. We had people in the John Jones. I think Rampage did it. Uriah Faber was in there. Chael Sonnen was in there. There was a lot of fighters that were doing that. That's a great... Gabriel Gonzaga should be doing that. He shouldn't be BKFC with Bigfoot. Like, even Bigfoot. There's got to be something else. I do not want to see anyone get hurt past... Their legacy is on the line. This is what people aren't going to remember you for, but they're going to... It takes away from what you've done in the past. It really does. You could be at the top of your company. You could have built the company from the floor up, but you get to the very top and you're riding it out and you're doing this and that with girls. It's like the Wolf of Wall Street. That's basically what it is. You're going to screw up. You're going to keep screwing up. It doesn't look good. People look, And then it's just going to crumble. And all of that... Listen, in life, my mother told me this when I was growing up. People will always remember you for the bad things, not the good things. The bad things will always pop up first before the bad things, uh, before the good things. The negative things will pop up before the positive things. And that's the culture we live in. I could write an article right now. BJ Penn is making a... Com Mayhem, Miller, Mayhem Miller. There was an article that Daniel DeVore just wrote. On PureEvilMMA.com, go check it out. The Rise and Fall of Mayhem Miller. And in that article, she talks about Mayhem being in prison. And he made his statement officially on social media, on his Facebook. Didn't get that many views compared to the Mayhem gets sentenced. Mayhem 
goes into a church and does the mayhem, pisses on a woman, mayhem, locks his girlfriend and says, no, we live in a culture where people love drama. They love living vicariously. There's a song that Tool did, and Tool just came out with a new album, but on their last album, 10,000 Days, they came out with a song called Vicarious. That's the culture we live in. And it's sad. It's very sad. But that, it's just the truth. It's just the truth. Drama does better. Look at the news. You go tune in the news, people will tune in more to the negative things than the positive. You have somebody running for president, they're going to nitpick every little thing that they do wrong compared to what they have to offer, that they have proof of they've done that in the past. Nope, they don't care. They care more about the negative. And I'm guilty of this too, guys. We're all guilty of it. And it's sad. So let's move forward. What else we got on here? Let's see. Let me see what else we got on here. Oh, let's talk a little bit about DC. Let me get rid of this. I think I got to scroll up. I'm sorry if you're listening to the podcast right now. I'm just trying to get the scenes in order. Where is it? UFC 241 card. There we go. All right, let me get rid of Andrade GIF. All right. UFC 241 went down. DC versus Stipe. You had Showtime Pettis versus Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz back in the picture, guys. And I love it. We all loved it. Stipe putting on the dance. Nate Diaz coming back, beating Showtime Pettis. Nate Diaz, because of the win against Conor McGregor, has blown up to the point where we always wanted to see him. Being on season five of The Ultimate Fighter alongside Robert Emerson, who we've had on the show before. It's crazy to see where Nate Diaz has come, how far he's come. You look at his brother, Nick, and those two are just such badasses that we can relate to. Those are the real culprits when it comes to putting on a story, putting on an actual, these, these, they're real fighters. And when they mentioned, when Nate beat Showtime Pettis and brought up him fighting Jorge Masvidal, we all went nuts. I went nuts. I want to see that fight. Now, Louis Serrano messaged me or commented on one of my posts. Now, Louis is one of the guys for CES. He helps Ammo Fight League out. He does an amazing job. I was actually seeing his little cousin for a while, which was so weird because I took a pit. Me and his little cousin, which is my little, which is my little cousin's best friend, we were hanging out for a while. We weren't dating or anything, but we were just really close, really good friends. And I posted a picture of me and her, and he was like, bro, is that my little cousin you're telling? I was like, well, this is a small world. But yeah, Lewis messaged me, and he was like, you really think that this is a smarter idea for Nate to fight Jorge Masvidal or Jorge Masvidal to fight Nate over taking a title fight? Like Jorge Masvidal, more for Jorge over Nate. Jorge Masvidal should put the Nate fight off and take the title fight. What do you guys have to say? What are you guys thinking right now when I said that? Because I know you were thinking in your head, well, is it even, is it exciting? Are we in an era where it's excitement over titles? But yet, you got to remember for the fighter, there's money involved when you win that title. So if you're a Horry Masvidal and you're Horry Masvidal's team, wouldn't you want to take the title fight, get the title, 
and then fight Nate. Because then you're going to make a lot more money. It's still going to be a main event if you fight Nate. But you're going to get twice as much, if not more money, if you get the title around your waist. Now, I also spoke to Phil Daru, who is the strength and conditioning coach over at American Top Team. Who's trained Dustin the Diamond for this upcoming fight against Habib. He's trained Ioana Jacek. He's trained Tisha Torres. He's trained Robbie Lawler in the past. He's trained Kobe Covington. The list goes on and on. And he told us, we're probably expecting Jorge Masvidal to fight his boy, Kobe Covington, in the next fight. And I was, I was like, I was a little confused about that because they're really good friends, guys. But today, what made it even more official to make me think that that might be the truth, that that might be more realistic than I thought it was at the time was, I forgot what news source broke this, but there was an article released today saying that the fight against Kobe Covington and Usman is not as close as we think it is. It was Ariel. Ariel Hawani released an article, correct me if I'm wrong, saying that this fight is not as close as we thought it was to being finished. It's not been signed. It's There's been holdups on it. So when Phil DeRue told me that, I'm looking back at that now and being like, this could be a possibility. But is it a possibility because, or is that fight being held up because Jorge Masvidal wants to fight Nate and maybe Kobe, I, I, don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, it confuses the shit out of me. Kobe Covington is putting this fight off with Usman because of what? I don't understand. And we know what happened to Kobe last time that he was trying to put off a fight. They said, all right, you don't want it? Well, Usman's going to fight Woodley then. Screw you. Well, that interim belt, give it back. So I'm a little confused about that, but we'll see what happens. But Nate D is back, and I, I really do want to see Nate Diaz versus Masvidal. That's, I can't even tell you. It's 2019. We've had so many people complain. This hasn't been an exciting year. The matchups, this and that. All right. But without the superstars, I think once we do the end of the year show, you're going to look back at some of the fights that went down this year. You're going to be like, damn, this actually was a very good year. The numbers may not show for it, but for those of us that watch these cards, there were some sick moments. Without the big hype behind it. Didn't need the commercials. Didn't need the billboards. Just as us for, for big diehard fans that will watch any fight, any organization. This was a great year. It was just great to see Nate come back. But DC versus Stipe. How about that fight? And how about Stipe's dance? Let me see if I can get the dance up. Where is it? There it is. <laughs> for those of you guys listening to the podcast, I'm sorry, but... Steve, we got the Stipe dance going on here with a gif. That just makes me so happy because Stipe took a real big risk here, guys. And we were all kind of throwing shade at him, being like, man, it's it's been a while. It's been a while since that last fight against DC. Just take another fight and then they'll give it to you. He was smart, man. And the talk leading up to this fight was, well, you know, DC had a couple of fights since the last time Stipe did. And yet Stipe... He was not giving up. He wanted that belt back. He wasn't playing with the UFC. He wasn't bowing down. For somebody that defended the title as much as he did. And yeah, he wasn't in the best light with the UFC. 
but he was on that season ultimate fighter with DC. A lot of people said that he was undermining DC. DC went in there and this is the craziest thing. And I mentioned this on Twitter after this fight, DC was a huge underdog. People couldn't picture in their head how DC was going to beat Stipe, but then he does it. So going into this fight, people were like, I can't see Stipe beating DC. And that's the weirdest thing to me. It's so crazy how people will jump on board, jump off board, jump on board, jump off board. That's not the way other sports work. If you are a fan of the New York Giants or the New York Yankees or the Patriots, and the Patriots make it to the, the Super Bowl, the New York Yankees make it to the World Series, and they lose. And I'll never forget, I cried my eyes out when I was a kid and watched the New York Yankees lose against Arizona. Who was their pitcher at, at the time? Threw like a hundred miles. Not David Wells. David Wells was from the Yankees. Went to Arizona, I think. Who, who was Randy? Oh, I can't even think of it. Can't even think of all this out of my head. But when they just slaughtered the Yankees, I remember the first time I cried during a sports a sporting event. But I stood by my team. I wasn't a Diamondback fan the next morning. I stood by my team and I said, next year. So if you were a Stipe fan, and you were a Stipe fan going into the DC fight, but then going into the DC versus Stipe 2 fight, you weren't on board for Stipe. Could you call yourself a fan? Or do you call yourself just just a, a, a fan of the sport? Not, not a fan of the fighter, but a fan of the sport. There's a big difference there. I just find that so weird. And we've seen it so many times. People that just come out of the woodwork. Look at all the people. For instance, Kobe Cuffing. Well, maybe that's probably the worst one I can bring up. Uh, Usman. I interviewed Usman three, four years ago. No one cared when I did an interview with Usman on Cage Side Submissions. They'd care now if I did an interview with him. They'd say they've been a fan since, you know, uh, the Ultimate Fighter, ATT versus the Black Zillions. They'd say they've been a fan since then, I'm sure. We see this a lot with musicians. I just watched uh, a documentary with Travis Scott. And you see Travis Scott doing a concert at the beginning. I think there was 20 people there. Fast forward two years later. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Riots going on. And then there's this guy in the front holding a sign that says, Been a fan since 2011. You've been a fan since... Where were you when there were 20 people there? Where were you then? Were you really a fan? Or do you just like saying that you were a fan from 2011 to be like, I've been here since the start. We see this a lot on social media. For instance, I saw this recently and the guy was like, what do you mean? Somebody, <laughs> so they said this on Twitter and I brought it up on my Facebook and people were dying. Media members were dying, DMing me, being like, man. So the tweet was to Dana White and it said something like, Dana, I've been a fan since 1993. I bought the first pay-per-view for UFC 1. Mind you, UFC 1 sold 85,000 pay-per-views. But apparently, and uh, Keith, Keith, oh, Keith Sherling? Oh, this is going to bother me. I got to give him the right. He, he writes for ShareDog. And before he even wrote for ShareDog, me and Keith have been tight for years. Um, I was just working with Keith and uh, Nolan King. Both these guys, I watched start from the bottom build their way up more Nolan build from the way up 
But Keith, the last couple of years, him and Nolan, have made it to uh, really big platforms. Keith Schillen, and he writes for SureDog. He's actually a, a cop. Let me show you guys. Make sure you go follow Keith on uh, social media. Oh, shit. I'm not even showing you guys his picture. But there's Keith right there. Make sure to go follow him. It's uh, Keith, S-H-I-L-L-A-N. Let me give you his Twitter. But he was saying, it's so weird. When I posted, he was like, it's so weird, man. Because I've met at least 200,000 people that have claimed they watched the first UFC pay-per-view. But it's weird because only 85,000 bought the pay-per-view. It's just crazy how many people try to do that. And I don't believe many of them, especially this guy. So uh, go follow Keith at Keith Schillen MMA. That's K-E-I-T-H-S-H-I-L-L-A-N-M-M-A on Twitter. And if you guys are watching this and you're on Facebook, what are you doing? How are you not on Twitter? If you're an MMA fan, how are you not on Twitter? That is the best place to go engage. When it's fighting, and you may have your your your, your, your poison of your choosing, whether it's Reddit, whether it's uh, MMAcommunity.com, whether it's Facebook, a Facebook group, but Twitter is where it's at, at least for me. I love Twitter when I watch fights at night. Or Right now, this is streaming live on Twitter from Periscope before it's on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, Facebook, all, all YouTube, all that. YouTube is where it's at. Uh, Twitter is where it's at. But my point being, man, congratulations to Stipe. Congratulations to everybody that stuck by Stipe's side. For those of you guys out there, don't write DC off. DC was winning that entire fight. But the question is, what's next? Because everyone's going, oh, we really wanted to see, even me, I wanted to see DC versus Brock Lesnar. Now, a lot of you guys might have just lowered the podcast in the car, shut the podcast off at the gym or by the beach. So this kid's out of his mind. But we're lacking that in 2019. John Jones called... Brock says, I would love to see that. Alexander Gustafson said, I'm coming out of retirement. Guys, he's been, by, by the way, he's been out of, in retirement, I don't think officially, but for like three weeks. Uh, Stefan Struve, been in retirement for like two months. He's returned. This is why we don't, you're in favor, you're in retirement for not even a year. This is why it's so hard for a lot of us to believe. Rumble Johnson, another one, supposed to come back in 2020. It's just so hard for us to believe any fighter is going to be retired. GSP, Habib, which is going on GSP to fight 155 pounds. Let me jump into that. Let's jump into UFC 242 because this is this. I have a lot to catch up on. I really do. There's a lot to catch up on, but let's just say screw it and let's just jump right into UFC 242. It's time to talk about UFC 242. Habib versus Dustin the Diamond. Now, let me pull this up in here as well because I'm excited for this one, guys. I really am. And you want to know why I'm excited for this? Paul Felder has been on the podcast before. And what he's been able to do in the past couple of years outside of just fighting, losing his father, Becoming a commentator. Very successful. I enjoy listening to Paul Felder when he does commentary. And now he gets this rematch for Zetson Barboza. Now, I want to play you guys something. Let me pull you in here. Let me get rid of all this. Let me see if I can get my display capture in. Let me see. 
come on. Let me see if I can fix this really quick. Oh, there, it's right there, but why isn't it? <laughs> Hold on, let me bring this up just a little more. All right, fuck it. There we go. Let me play this. Let me turn the desktop volume on. This is Paul Felder. He came on the podcast two years ago, right before his father passed away. And this was just so inspirational to me. Let me play this. This is on my Instagram, at PureVolMMA underscore. It's not yeah. playing for you guys. You this is making me pissed cancer, off. So, uh, I appreciate you saying Let me do this. Oh, come on, bro. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to obviously have to edit, edit this out. Taking over and, uh, there we go. There we go. Hopefully, you can help. Let me check my phone before I actually officially play this to make sure you guys can hear it. I'm going to lower my microphone for a second so I can hear it. Give me one second here, guys. But this is Paul Felder when he was here on Pure Law in May. He has been on the show two times before, but this was so inspirational. And he said he had this uh, F cancer on his mouthpiece. I don't know if he's still going to be rocking it, but uh, let me see here. gave me chills yesterday was the anniversary of my stepfather's death who uh, passed away from brain cancer actually so uh, I appreciate you saying that brother yeah man you know any of them you know what I mean to just you know get it out there it's, it's killing too many of us it's taking over and uh, you know the more we know about it the more we can can help uh, you know just even talking about it you know, so I'm sorry to hear that man and uh, you know we'll, we'll just keep doing what we're doing Awesome, Paul. I'll definitely be looking out for that. Thanks so much for coming on Pure Evil MMA once again, man, and uh, good luck this weekend. We'll be looking forward to it. Thanks, buddy. I always appreciate it. That's what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting. How amazing is that, man? Paul Felder getting this fight against Edson Barboza once again. I'm excited for it. And like I said, we just had Phil DeRue on the show. Dustin Diamond going up against Habib. Let me know what you guys think about this fight. Who are you going for? Habib has such an amazing story. But one thing that really catches me off guard, that doesn't catch me off guard, but that makes me worry a little bit. I don't even know if I should say makes me worry, but he doesn't listen to his corner as much. You've seen this in a lot of his fights. And you guys may jump at me when I say this, but when he had that fight against Daryl Horcher, now, Daryl Horcher was never in the UFC before, but they wanted somebody to fight Habib upon his return. He was out for two years. Daryl Horcher was piecing Habib up. Michael Johnson was piecing Habib up. Now, yeah, Michael Johnson also beat Dustin the Diamond from TKO, I believe. 
not too long ago, like a year and a half ago or something like that. But one thing that Dustin learned from that fight was when he's in situations where he's hurt somebody and he wants to bite down on his mouth guard and go in there and just throw down, he's been a lot smarter about that kind of stuff. And you've seen so many improvements. And I remember watching from his last fight against Max Holloway, some of, he, was, he was sitting down on the ground watching a laptop of some of his previous fights. And he was like, this is crazy to sit here and watch how far I've come. Like, he was watching and being like, see, I would never do that this day and age. I would never, see what I just did there right there? I've, I can't even imagine me doing that again. This is like me watching a rookie version of myself. And he was watching footage from a year ago, which is why this game is constantly evolving. When you see guys like, you, you name it, if you're, out of, if you're out of this sport for a year, two years, the sport's constantly evolving, which is why when you go into a fight, even Dustin, all right, not, not, not Dustin, Paul Felder, he can't be expecting to fight the same Edison Barboza that he fought three years ago, two years ago, three years ago. You can't expect that Edson Barboza. He's come leaps and bounds. But yeah, there are some fighters out there that maybe have backtracked, that they get too comfortable and they're not doing the same things that they were doing before. We saw this with Conor McGregor when he was getting ready for the fight with Habib. He showed up to the press conference days before the fight, drunk off of his whiskey, just trying to promote his whiskey. And yes, his whiskey did very well, but he still lost the fight. He still lost the fight, which reminds me, that fight is now free on YouTube from the UFC. YouTube.com, the official page for UFC. You can watch Habib versus Conor McGregor. Uh, and I believe they have Dustin versus Max Holloway up there. But honestly, guys, go get Fight Pass. For those of you out there that never bought Fight Pass, you might be like, oh, well, you know, they signed with ESPN. Why would I want Fight Pass? You still have the library out there. You could watch all the fights from the past. And I believe it was just released that more footage from that fight with Conor McGregor and Habib has been released from the post-fight brawl, which was cut prior to, uh, or right after that fight. And I'll tell you this, my dad's buddy, I had to pick him up from the airport. He flew up from Florida. I had to drive up to Hartford to pick him up. And as you guys know, if you've been a long-time listener to the podcast, I grew up around mo like motorcycle clubs. My dad knows all the motorcycle clubs around here. This is a guy that is in a... A motorcycle club that you all know, which I won't say, but this is a big guy. He can hold his own. And he went to that fight in Vegas, and he said he's never seen anything like that. He said what you saw on TV wasn't even a tenth of what was going on in the crowd. People were fighting everywhere. It was a shit show. Which is why I talked to a lot of people from the area or wanted to go to the show that were like, it's going to get too crazy. People are hostile. And you think about all the Irish fans that have gone to all Connors fights that they even had to turn planes around to go back to Ireland. And you think about Habib's fans. This is like the mafia showing up in thousands. And no matter what happens, no matter the result, if Connor won or Habib won, shit was going down. But once Habib did what he it was a, a madhouse. And it was so interesting to hear that because I didn't even realize it was that crazy. But this fight right here in Abu Dhabi, 
I like the vibe that I'm feeling. You saw Dustin get off the plane and they welcomed him with open arms. And people out there are like, you know, maybe Habib's going to be a little nervous going into this fight. You know, he has to put on for all of his people. I don't think Habib's going to be nervous at all. Habib's not sitting there listening to uh, Bright Eyes. He's not sitting there listening to, uh, you know, Ed Sheeran. This is a straight. He's, he, he's like John Gotti. Habib is like the Teflon Don. I just want to smash. This is number one bullshit. You send me location. He's a badass. And you know what, Dustin? I want to see Dustin win. That's my prediction. That's where my heart's at. I really want to see Dustin win. I think he definitely has a chance to win. Especially if Habib gets cocky, doesn't want to listen to his corner, and doesn't just wrestle. Habib should be doing what Eddie Alvarez did. Stick to what got you to the dance. Wrestle. Because Dustin is not known for his wrestling. This is going to be a brawl. I hope this is going to be a stand-up fight, but we know what's probably going to go down. Most likely, Habib's going to win this fight. If you're putting money on it, say put five on Habib. But I really want to see Dustin win. I think Dustin could win, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And that does it for this episode of Pure Evil MMA. Make sure you guys subscribe down below and give me a subscribe here on Periscope, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. You know what it is, guys. And let me know who you think is going to win this fight on Instagram at PureEvilMMA underscore. Also on my Twitter at Evil under dash echo. That's E-V-I-L underscore E-C-C-O for all the third graders out there that don't know how to spell. And big news for you guys, the Pure Evil MMA Facebook page I got to get back into because I've been under attack by trolls. Somebody reported, and I've never had a single report on my Facebook, my personal Facebook page. But overnight, it was taken down, got banned, disabled. So I put in an appeal. My Instagram was under attack. I wasn't able to comment. I wasn't able to like things for 24 hours. The same time, my Twitter, at PureEvilMMA underscore, was taken down. Three platforms in 24 hours, 48 hours were attacked. I don't understand how it's legal to do something like that. If you get a group of people that are just trolling, that are attacking you and report you, that Facebook's just going to be like, oh, well, there's five people, so he's got to be doing something wrong instead of looking into it. And that pisses me off. This is my brand. I work day and night to build. I lost my last Instagram page, my real Instagram page, where I had thousands and thousands of followers. I lost my original Facebook page, where I had almost 10,000 followers. It takes a long time. That's hard work. That's my brand. That's my income. Only money I can make is off my merch. So if you guys are out there and I barely make anything off my merch, go to pureevilmma.com if you want to represent Pure Evil MMA merch. We got some new designs up, pureevilmma.com. There's a merch section and we got all new designs coming up for this winter. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to make more designs right now when I log off of here. So uh, we got a new logo as well, which you guys can see above here on the video cast, which I'm a big fan of. I love that. And we got new merch with that logo on there. We got hoodies, t-shirts, girls, uh, hoodies, stickers. We got mugs. You name it, we got it, guys. And it's all lowered. I'm barely making anything off of it. But every dollar that you guys put towards the merch, I'm getting new accessories like this mic, which we got rid of the... Uh, 
the blue snowball, which you guys can see behind us here. You can tell the difference from the last couple of shows to this one with the deepness sounding more like a, a an official radio show. So I'm happy to have that back. And I got to thank you guys for bringing that back. Because without you guys, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be where I am right now. I wouldn't have any of these fighters that I've had on this show in the past few years. Which reminds me, Bola Muhammad is also on this card. We will be doing a full breakdown of this card become fight day morning. And the fights are going down, I believe they start at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Let me double check that. 2 p.m. Eastern time, UFC 242 live on ESPN Plus and then on pay-per-view. Beepers, Dustin, and Diamond. We will be doing a full card breakdown. I will be giving my predictions as well. There is a site, if you guys remember playing UFC Pick'em, let me give these guys a shout out because they, they have a great platform that I really love. Let me see. Big Shot MMA, I believe it is. Let me see really quick. So I'm giving the, uh, the right page. Yes, okay. Is this it? Let me double check, guys. I don't want to screw this up. Because I had a lot of... Yes, it is this. All right, so guys, go follow Big Shot MMA at Big Shot MMA. B-I-G-S-H-O-T-M-M-A on Twitter. And they have the new and improved UFC Pick'em. And they have like these really fun little games. You don't have to pay a single dollar for it. If you want to throw $5 down, which I usually do, you can make money back. But it's fun because it's on Twitter. You can engage. And they have like these little power-ups that are going on with it. Uh, BSMMA.com. If you don't have Twitter and just want to go there, you can do that. And here is the screenshot for you guys that are watching the video cast. I had a lot of fun. I will be doing it once again uh, this week. And I will be sharing my picks as well. Last thing to say, uh, said to me because I was in the the pod championship for them a couple weeks ago they say uh oh pod weight they said hey i know that you're not in that pod weight competition for this week but we still have the free game for the shirt and one for a 20 dollars amazon card promo code prelim 13 thanks again for your support and we love to have you on a future edition of the game guys go check it out if you're on twitter or just an mma fan in general Big Shot MMA, you can engage, you can make picks for free, and win stuff. You can win stuff. So, shout out to Big Shot MMA. Guys, that does it for Pure Evil MMA, episode number, I don't even know. I'm Evil Letty from PureEvilMMA.com. Remember, without evil, there's no purity. Wet knuckles till the end. Behave yourselves.